Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is David Rowlands. I'm the Head of Content at B2B Marketing and your host for today. Um, and I'm joined today by PAX 8 VP of Marketing for EMEA, Jonathan Griffith. So, uh, John, thank you very much for joining me. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself, PAX 8, and your main challenge this year from a marketing point of view? Yeah, well, look, firstly, David, thank you so much for having me on. Um, it's a real pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, PAX 8. So, um, so we... We are a, a, an IT software distributor, which sounds far more boring than it really is, I promise you. Um, I've been here for just under two years, and in that time, we've we've grown significantly. So from 500 million valuation back in 2021, and we've just blasted through the 1.7 billion valuation now. So we're working with a unicorn, and we're expanding, and I'll come on to the challenges in a minute. But for me, this is actually my first tech job. So this year, it will be 17 years in B2B marketing, which is pretty hard to comprehend sometimes. But largely in the sports and the fitness industries. So prior to this, I was working on the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games, promoting the official hospitality for that. And we all remember how that went with COVID. Um, and then before that, it was Rugby World Cup. And I worked for a B2B fitness equipment brand called Preka as well. So lots of B2B experience, a little bit of B2C and, 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 and you know, using that experience in B2B marketing. But I would say our challenge, our big challenge this year really is like I said at the start, we, we've we gone from a startup to a grow up very quickly. I mean, Pax 8 is about 10 years, but we've only been outside of the US for, for the last two. And 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 when you, there's a great phrase that I've heard a number of times internally, which is we're, we're kind of building the plane as we're flying it. Um, and that's very true. And, and, and really, you know, moving from startup to grow up from a marketing perspective, that's putting in, you know, processes, it's putting in financial acumen, it's making sure our data's uh, secure we're really, really doing lots of attribution and ROI and it's moving towards having a grown-up company uh, and I think you know whilst we're still trying to expand into into the European markets whilst we're still trying to you know uh, retain our customers and do the great work that we've already done in the UK so I, I think that's probably the biggest thing on, on my mind this year. Fantastic. Well, as you say, you know, 17 years of experience in B2B, so I'm sure you've seen it all. Um, and, you know, I think if you just go back to the beginning of that period, it's fair to say that B2C used to take, you know, a lot of the plaudits. They were seen as the more creative side, um, the side of marketing that got to do the really kind of fun brand, brandy stuff. Um, and B2B, to be fair, did actually have quite a lot of catching up to do. Um, but just, you know, from my perspective, and I, I might be very much in my B2B bubble, it does feel like B2B has caught up and they're now at level pegging or at least very close. Um, is this something you've noticed as well in your time in B2B or do you think B2B has still got some way to go? Yeah, I mean, look, I'd love to agree with you. My my, my natural defence is that, yeah, yeah, we're we're in line with B2C. But I think if I'm being really honest with myself, I think we've moved the needle a certain way. But then when I think about kind of, you know, if you put it on a matrix about how desirable and how, you know, sexy marketing is, you're going to have B2C agency up in the top, you know, very sexy, very desirable. And then B2B marketing is probably still down in this opposite quadrant. So I think we've we've got a little bit of a way to go. Um, and I think I was thinking about this and I was like, what is it? And I think there's a few things. I think one of them is there's a certain laziness and arrogance to B2B marketing still. And you must find this, David. I mean, I get daily messages from from a brand i've never heard of i haven't particularly been looking for them and i get a message from someone saying hey you need to have a meeting with me hey are you free tomorrow at 2 30 to 3 30 and i'm like who the hell are you like why are you going straight in for the kill i mean you wouldn't do that in normal human nature and that's the difference i think you know some b2b brands have really learned that 
you need to take your time you need to build the brand you need to it's right message right place right time it's it's the fundamentals and and i think there's a because b2b you know that it's all about chasing that number that's the approach to marketing it's like you've got to buy this product and it's like no 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 just just calm down and I think, you know, one of the big things we've done really well at Pax8 is, is that kind of concept of building a community or building a tribe. And B2C does that, has just done that so well, because you'd never be embarrassed to talk about, I buy Tesla, I wear Ralph Lauren, um, I drink this type of whiskey. Whereas with B2B, you, you're not running around going, I use Salesforce, or I buy my Microsoft licenses from, you know, that IT <laughs> distributor. And so I think what what the really good B2B brands have taken note of that and have built communities and built something that people are proud to be a part of and want to be a part of and not embarrassed to be a part of. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how I think it's changed. But I still think we've got a little bit of a way to go. Yeah, of course. It's so interesting. I mean, you mentioned brand a few times there and brand in many ways is kind of, you know, the, the heart of marketing. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, to make a bit of a sweeping statement, I, I feel like marketing say a few decades ago was about brand and then somewhere in the sort of 90s early 2000s it came more about lead gen and email marketing which you know you can still do brand via but it the the kind of message got twisted a bit so what do you think is bringing brand back into b2b um for companies such as your own i think i i think we're competing with b2c brands quite frankly i think that the lines between and it, I, I hate the phrase work-life balance because it sort of suggests that work isn't part of your life and you have you sort of walk through the doors and life stops. But <laughs> I think our, our lives are so blurred that actually, as B2B marketers, we're fighting for the attention of people against B2C brands. You know, I know that if, if someone tries to get hold of me during, you know, in inverted commas, the nine to five, they're going to find it very difficult but if they catch my attention when I'm kind of scrolling through Facebook in the evening, that's when they're going to get me. So it's about being where people play. And I think gone are the days where we just, you know, fire off a white paper or an ebook or some boring piece of content that no one wants to read. Um, and 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 I think we, we spoke about this off off air, but you mentioned that that Salesforce took out a Super Bowl advert last mm. year. And, you know, that might have been seen as a one-off, but this year Workday took out the Super Bowl spot and it was a brilliant advert, regardless of whether it's B2C or B2B. And I think Mark Ritson, um, who, who the, the famous marketing professor who, who does a lot for Marketing Week, he he famously bangs the brand drum all the time and talks about that kind of 60-40 split in, in, in where your resource should go. Now, I don't think, you know, a lot of us don't have the budgets to put 60% in brand, but I think we should be, you know, going for that. That should be the aspiration. And 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 we've done, you know, I, I want to call out. There's a guy called Don Jeter, J E T E R. He he used to be the um he he basically created the brand of Pax Eight. He was our CVP of brand until a couple of months ago, and then he got poached, unfortunately. Mm. But he's just done an exceptional job of being a true. And again, disrupt is a word that gets overused these days, but coming into an, a very traditionally B2B, quite boring landscape of IT distribution. And Don just took a B2C approach on that and went to trade shows and had this, we had an avatar called um, the wingman, who we've retired for, for very good reasons now, but the wingman would come in and the videos would be blowing up stuff and be, you know, blowing up other distributors and just this kind of crazy character. And, 
our partners, our customers took notice and were like, well, hang on, I want to be a part of this. Um, and it comes back to that community and that and that tribe feel, I think. And it's it's you know, for me, brand, we 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 committed in, in Pack State, certainly with the plans that we're putting together in Amir, we will always have a brand evergreen campaign going on. Because it's arrogant to think that people know who you are, and it's arrogant to think they're going to remember who you are if you stop the brand thing. And I was thinking about this. It's just it would be crazy to look at a B2C brand and think they did all this great brand work and then just stopped doing that because people were buying their products. Mm. They don't. You look at the great brands that have that have lasted time and time again and it's that great brand story, whether that's Coca-Cola or KFC or Ford you know, they're still pushing that brand piece rather than the sort of product and tactical led stuff. So I think, I think you know, some B2B brands are getting there with that. And I think some, you know, marketers are now strong enough to, to kind of put that in their budget. And you have to remember the data. You have to, you have to be able to prove that out to the board and, and, and to, to, to the financial team that are asking why you're spending your money there. And, that, and that's our job as, as good marketing leaders. Yeah. I mean, there's lots to unpack there. Um, I think, you know, I, I totally agree. I think B2B brands are competing with B2C brands and, you know, in the same spaces as well. I mean, we've seen, you know, these massive B2B organizations advertising in uh, the Super Bowl, like you say, but it must be harder for those brands to get people's attention because at the end of the day, you know, from a personal point of view, I'm I'm more interested in paying attention to an advert that's selling, uh, you know, a pair of headphones I might want, or uh, you know, tickets to an event I might want to go to. I, I'm just naturally, I'm I'm less inclined to kind of respond to an advert from, say, Microsoft. So, do you feel like, in some sense, B2B brands actually have to work a lot harder in those same spaces as well, just to get anyone's attention? I don't think it's working harder. I think it's working smarter, um, and I think. Look, it comes to we've all look, we've all all the people listening to this podcast are people that are interested in B2B marketing and theory and stuff like that. So we've all seen these stats that say 90% of decision making, you know, decision making process is subconscious and it's emotion versus logic. And we know that. Um, but it's hard to dismiss that because that's human nature. And I and I fundamentally believe that that marketing basics and fundamentals and human nature don't change. But technology and 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 you know, technology and tactics do. And I think for us, it's actually about making something that's interesting, making something that actually engages with people. And we've seen it. You know, if you're human, if you change your tone of voice, if you sell the benefits rather than the product and you're smarter about your marketing and um, and you're going to get cut through. And that's ultimately it. And so you look at Workday's advert this year at the Super Bowl in um, that's just gone last month. So February 2023, Workday. Um, you know, an HR SaaS platform advertised at the Super Bowl. And their advert, their advert didn't say, this is what it can do for your company and this is what it can do for you as a manager. It 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 took the, the, the word that's being used in offices all over the world, you're a rock star, and it completely turned it on its head and it had lo- loads of rock stars. And people have been sharing that and laughing at it and it's resonated and people have been talking about Workday. So it's just, it's it's more about that you know, humor, irreverence, where appropriate, if that's appropriate for your brand. Um, that's that's where I think that B2B need to get to. It's understanding that just firing off a white paper about cybersecurity is not going to resonate. It's not going to connect with someone, particularly if they're finding you when they're not necessarily working, again, mm. in inverted commas. So for me, it's not necessarily harder, but it's just remembering who you're competing with. You're competing with a lot. 
Yeah. I think one of the difficulties in any brand investment is, is something you've already mentioned, and it's proving the success of that to the board. Because, you know, if you're a marketer um, and you've got, let's say you have a hundred pounds to spend just to keep the maths nice and simple for me, because I'm not very good at maths. Um, and you said, oh, I'd like to spend 80 of that on, uh, or 60 rather, I think you said 60%, 60 pounds on brand. The board are going to say, well, okay, What's that going to deliver? What, what's the what's the return on that investment, of course? So how do you actually prove that? Because we all know people are talking on the internet saying, oh, this is great. You know, this is, I love this brand or this brand really resonates with me. But how do you actually measure that in any meaningful sense? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think that's been the challenge and will continue to be the challenge for, for a lot of brands. And it gave me some hope a few years ago because I saw the CMO, I think he was the CMO of Adidas and he was talking about how Adidas you know, everyone thinks that Adidas should be getting it right. And he was talking about their attribution and their ROI and their modeling. And he, he said, we haven't quite got it right either. So that gave me some, that gave me some hope. Um, but I think, you know, from what we're doing at Pax8 is you have to look at where you are in the market maturity as well. So UK, we went into the market in, in early 2021. Um, we did a brand awareness, a piece of research um, last year. And we knew that we got to about 33% brand awareness in the UK, which, you know, I think is fantastic. Um, and we're now going to make that an annual um, process. So we're now doing that for the other EMEA regions that we're, we're going into. So the DAC region, which we're launching um, later this month, we're going to do a brand awareness piece there. And we're going to do that on an annual basis, because if you can show you're moving the needle there with that awareness piece, you know, ultimately that drips down through the rest of the funnel, in my opinion. There's other stuff you can do. So I was talking to our genius, another genius that I get to work with is a guy called Ross DePhilippis, who runs our social media. And he's looked at, and, and again, I'm happy to dive, you know, go into this a little bit more detail, but he's, you know, we changed our social media strategy at the end of 2020 with him. And he can tangibly show you how that engagement has just rocketed by moving to a more B2C lens. Um, and, and you know, that that's that's largely, you know, we're not, selling products or promoting a webinar that is just brand messaging on social media and our followers and our engagement have just done that so i think you can look at the big piece and do you know pieces of research and go out there and ask your audience you know the the unprompted and the prompted brand awareness and sentiment stuff but you can also look at the the, the more tactical stuff with the brand messaging and see if it's mo moving the needle in that in that way Mm. Well, yeah, like you suggest, let's let's dive into that a bit more then in that case. I mean, you've said that by switching to a B2C approach, you know, the, the engagement in social media has gone through the roof because you're not promoting, uh, you know, the dreaded webinar or the dreaded um, <laughs> white paper, like you say. But does that engagement in social media, does that translate into, you know, into revenue in any noticeable way? Yeah, I appreciate you might not be able to notice the... Um, uh, you might be able, not be able to track an exact link, but you might see a correlation at the very least. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. We and we and we have, um, and that's and that's that's important to note because you're right. Like you, vanity metrics and all that, we can we can go after them all day long. But unless it turns into into revenue and and, and recurring revenue, then then our board really aren't going to care. But I think to, to to what Ross did here is, you know, we recognised again that everyone's pushing out you know, blog posts and news stories and webinars and. And you scroll through LinkedIn and most of it, you just scroll right past. And, and in 2020, he shifted the strategy. So he, like I say, he he went for a more B2C lens. Um, he started, you know, leaning into the culturally, culturally relevant 
trends that were going on you know something that you know memes that had become funny um we started being a bit more playful and and humorous with our c-suite you know sort of photoshopping them into things uh, the, the one that i really remember is he posted a picture of a really awful christmas sweater a pax 8 christmas sweater that the design team had mocked up and he's like if this gets over a thousand likes we'll make it and sure enough, and we were messaging and sure enough, every day I logged on and the likes were just going up and up and up and we did make it. And you got, you know, that's part of the humour. And you look at that convergence point of when they change the strategy and the, the line goes like that. Mm. So all of a sudden what you're doing there is you're increasing followers and you're playing to the algorithm. And and, and we're not going into TikTok. And, and again, I can go into that in a little bit, but we're not going into TikTok for that reason. You're playing to that algorithm. So the more engagement, the more followers the more times your organic content is going to be pushed in front of people. And it's just a self-perpetuating thing. And we found that there was a couple of benefits to that as well as the engagement. One, our partners started commenting more, much more on those posts and they were sharing them and they were loving them. And so they were sharing them to their network. So that amplification of our voice was going through our partner network, meaning other people, our prospects were coming in going, I want to be, coming back to the community, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that community, that gang. So the partners were sharing it loads and loving it. But also the employee sentiment completely shifted. Our employees love the social media that we do. And I think, again, as B2B marketers, we do really focus on going and getting results with that audience. And sometimes we forget the internal audience. And, and Pax8 have really done a lot of a lot of work to engage our employees, both with you know, really funny social media, some great content internally that no one will ever see apart from us, you know, merch and 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 again, building that tribe. So yeah, we, we definitely saw tangible results from that. Yeah. Well, merch is a really interesting one, which, uh, you know, you mentioned off air and it's not to my mind anyway, I can't remember um, ever speaking to anyone who in B2B who's got their own merch store. So uh, two questions really. What, why do you have a merch store in the first place? You know, don't take any offense to this, please. But, you know, I wouldn't typically expect to buy my, my clothes from Pax8. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, more importantly, from a marketing perspective, what, what is the purpose of that? And uh, what is it? What has it done for your business? It, I think both very good questions. And again, this is from the crazy genius mind of Don Jeter. Um, and he he set up. So you can go to pax8.club and we've got our very own merch store. And and, and I, I checked in with um with the guy that runs it now in, in the States, and we are getting consistently double-digit orders. And I'm not talking like 10, 11, I'm talking about big number of orders every single month. Um, and not just from staff and, 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 you know, partners are buying our merch. And I saw this, there was a, there's a, there's a, um, a, a gym brand that we used to work with when I worked at Precore. And again, the community they built there, their customers were getting tattoos of their logo. And I mean, that's, that's extreme. And you think about that stuff with B2C with Monster, you know, Monster's a really famous brand and people get the Monster logo tattooed on them. And you think, what are you doing? That's a, that's an energy drink, but it's kind of leaning into that into that concept really so the reason we did it is don recognized again we want to just we wanted to be different we didn't want to be boring we we wanted to be a bit irreverent so he set up this merch store we really focused on the quality of our merch as well and i'm i'm like you david when i first joined i was like is this really something we should be doing and then i started going to to shows and customer events and our customers were walking around with pax 8 plastered all over them 
And, you know, that is the same as, you know, our staff. Our staff love the merch. My wife jokes with me. She's like, you know, you're head to toe in Pax 8 if you want to be. But it's that, you know, it's constantly reinforcing the brand out there in the market, out there in the industry. It's constantly reinforcing their their loyalty. And it's creating that community. I'm going to keep coming back to that. It's creating that community like you would, you know, you see people wearing Ferrari tops or or, you know, maybe not, maybe not Ford, but you know, you start you see people wearing B2C brands and now they're wearing B2B brands. So look, there was there was method to the madness. Um, and um, and and I think it's been a great thing for us, and it's something we will continue to do. Yeah, that's really that's a really interesting um, approach to marketing. I think with the with the whole merch store, and like I say, not something I've seen before. Um, but outside of that, you know, are there any other things that you you've done at Pax Eight or you've seen at other brands where you think that's quite an interesting B two C approach and something that works really well in B two B? Yeah, well, I think you and you and I were talking about TikTok, weren't we? And um, and I think it would be remiss of me not to kind of address that. I think everything that B two C does doesn't necessarily mean we have to do it in B two B, and that's the temptation, right? Isn't it? You know, we want to innovate, we want to go after those cool things, we want to work with with you know whatever tactics we can get our hands on. But sometimes it's not right, and we've we've done some really good analysis and 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 looking at the numbers, it would be. TikTok's crazy. It's like one billion users. I think you know they spend about ninety minutes a day on the app on average, which is just a crazy mm. amount of content, a crazy amount of eyeballs. But when we looked at it, we realized that you know a large, it's about seventy six percent of of users on TikTok are eighteen to thirty four, and the majority of users are female. And so immediately we go, well, that's not our demographic. You know, we, we you know is we have to be realistic. That's not our audience, and and we also found that about sixty over sixty percent of people want funny or entertaining content. So you go, okay, cool. That's that's the audience, and that's what they want. Can we deliver that? And and we also looked at our competitors, and and it was interesting because we had we've got four big global competitors, two of whom had got a TikTok account and two hadn't bothered. Only one of them had actually activated and started doing some work. But what I found amazing was of the two, and bearing in mind these are global competitors, they had a combined following of 58 people. So mm. all of a sudden you go, well, that's problematic. And one of them actually tried it and their engagement reduced because the algorithms were going, well, this content's not being engaged enough because they haven't got the followers and it's self-perpetuating. And all of a sudden their engagement came down because the algorithm algorithms weren't serving it up. And I think then you start looking at, okay, there's security implications of, of TikTok and there's lots of things every day we hear about that. Is it, is it that secure? And we're, a, you know, we sell cybersecurity software. That's one of our cornerstones of our business. And that's problematic. The ad options are limited. And so I think some brands are doing it really, really well. But we have to say for now, it's not for us. And mm. I think that's important because the temptation and, the, and I think almost the lazy thing to do would be just to fire up a TikTok account and try it. But actually, the braver thing to do is look at the data, be realistic about your audience and and, and see whether it's going to work. So, you know, that's something that we, we you know, we kind of keep an eye on. But right now we haven't done it. But if you want to look at a really good, um, a really good, you know, product that does it really well is like Duolingo. Um, they, they do it really well, really irreverent, really snarky. And it's unhinged. They're, they're, they're sort of social content. And if that's who you want to be, then that's great. But that's the other implication there. That's the other consideration. It, does it does it really kind of line up with our tone of voice and our values? Um, mm. So for now, it's not something we're going to be doing, but um, other brands are, are kind of nailing it. 
Yeah, of course. I mean, on that note, um, Sage actually won a, a gold award at the B2B Marketing Awards um, for their own TikTok campaign in B2B. So it obviously does work for certain brands. But as you say, um, you know, it really depends on what you're trying to achieve and, and most importantly, who you're trying to reach. So with that in mind, you know, that sort of 18 to 34 group is maybe not your target demographic or certainly not worth the investment in TikTok. You know, what is your demographic and, and how do you kind of select your channels around that? Yeah, and, and look, I should say that, you know, whilst it's not our demographic now, that's that they are going to be our demographic mm. at some point, you know, and yeah. um and, and we do we do a lot of work, you know, to try and encourage, you know, women in tech and things like that. But but look, largely our demographic is is kind of slightly older uh, males. Um it's it's IT companies, it's MSPs. And and that's you know we have to be realistic. So so we've done you know in 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 EMEA we've done some sports partnerships which have proven really successful. Um, so we 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 work with one of our vendors to to be part of the Williams um, sports partnership there. So the Williams Formula One, and as part of that we get you know some branding on the car um, for certain races. We get hospitality, and and as you can imagine with our demographic that's worked incredibly successfully. Um, in addition to that, you know, we we work with Saracens. We're a sponsor of Saracens through again one of our vendors, and so you know, unfortunately, rugby is you know that kind of male dominated a certain age group, and so again, that works fantastically for us. Not necessarily on the on the brand awareness piece, but we use it as a as an incentive to our customers. We 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 were able to use it as marketing campaigns, so we're able to you know get some. Saracen's branded merch and Williams branded merch and use that in in various sort of tactics um, within our partner base, more so for the retention and the upsell piece. But yeah, look, you have to you have to constantly be looking at these things because a platform might come in and and, and Sage, mm-hmm. I'd love to know who they're who they're who they're targeting. Um and it might be that they're targeting that 18 to 34 female age group and TikTok's the way to do that. So you do the analysis. Sometimes you try it, and if it's not working, again, the joys of, of digital now is you can switch it off. Um, and, and you know, when we go into new markets, we look at let's not just slam our our, our American and, and, and UK hats on and say, well, no, we have to be going into LinkedIn and have to be going into Facebook. For example, we're going to the Germany region soon, and they've got a platform called Zing, uh, which is larger than LinkedIn. So it's about looking at that local experience, looking at where your partners and your customers are playing it comes back to right message, right place, right time. Mm, yeah, absolutely, as it always does. Um, another question I've got, really, I mean, back to the, uh, the the famed Super Bowl advert that we talked about, or adverts, I should say. Um, TV, it's been there for a while. It's nothing new. It's not TikTok. Um, but quite often, you know, when you're watching TV, it is adverts for B2C goods. You know, it's clothes, it's, uh, it's toys, it's stuff like that. Typically, I, I mean, I, I certainly don't think I see many B2B brands on there. Is that something you expect to see more of anytime soon? I think I think sort of traditional TV, probably not, um, because I think that that is a B2C world. And and you'd argue, you know, a lot of people don't a lot of people don't watch adverts on TV anyway right now. So mm-hmm. um, that's the challenge. But I think, you know, with connected devices and, and over the top, that, that's where I think it gets really interesting for a B2B um, a brand like us. So, you know, for example, again, if we're, if we're looking at our audience and we realize I'm just going to use my own personal experience now, you know, I have NFL Game Pass, for example, 
And so if you can come into those sort of over the top um, platforms and, and and hit those that person again when they're watching content they want to watch. But it coming back to my earlier point, it can't be jarring. You can't be relaxing, enjoying your space in a platform that you enjoy and then suddenly get a boring B2B message because that's almost again, it's a bit arrogant, it's a bit insulting. Um, so I think I think the more again the more personalized devices and platforms that's where I think it gets interesting I think you know it comes back to what's a bit more sexy and desirable we, I don't think we're ever gonna a you know be able to justify the budgets unless you're a, a sales force for a work day and b the Super Bowl ad is very very different you're getting you're getting a billion eyeballs on that so chances are some of them are going to be be to be decision makers Whereas, you know, I've got a four-year-old, I spend my life watching children's TV. So with all due respect, they, you know, they're gonna they're gonna put they're gonna sell their space to toys and 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 things like that. Yeah. So we mentioned TikTok, which is obviously the kind of the big kind of the big exciting one at the minute. I mean, it's nothing new, obviously, but it's it's an arena that a lot of marketers are talking about sort of entering. Um the other one is, of course, the metaverse, which I, I sort of feel like anecdotally kind of hit zenith last year in terms of interest and hype. But regardless of that, it is still coming and it is still a thing. Um, and I think actually in many ways that's a good thing because we can now look at it um, in, in a more realistic lens. So we, we accept it's exciting. We know a bit more about it. But our our expectations about being fully immersed in the metaverse overnight have been tempered a bit. So, you know, what do you think? Do you think that the metaverse is going to provide B2B companies with a whole new way to reach and engage customers? Um, or is it something we're just going to keep talking about, um, you know, at least for the next sort of couple of years? I think, I think you know, having now been in this in this world for nearly two decades, which again, kills me to, to admit, um, <laughs> I think you see, you see this, this happens, right? So a technology kind of arrives, we all get very excited about it. And then it almost slides back down until it's ready for, for real consumption. And I think, you know, we had this with AI for years. We've been talking about AI, right? But all of a sudden, the the, the torch paper has been lit by ChatGPT, and all of a sudden, we're taking it really seriously because we can actually now it can be a part of our our lives. And certainly within Pax Eight, we're talking about how we can use AI now to to help the the customer experience and marketing and sales. So it's it's here. But we've been talking about it for years, and I think what happened with the metaverse like you say last year or the last couple of years it kind of spiked our interest and then it kind of it's gone back down and and you know i think there's a few reasons for that i think the technology is not quite there i think it's still quite costly to, to fully be engaged in the metaverse how you'd want to be and i think it's it's all a bit clunky but what's interesting is i'm seeing some i'm seeing some some signs that absolutely i think it i, I think it will be a place that that we have to consider in the future and you know just recently i was talking to one of our um our c-suite staff and three of the c staff for pax8 global they've just conducted a full day meeting in vr or in the in the metaverse and and they were testing the kit and they were testing how it felt and they said it felt really good and and it might be that it might be that we um this this is the answer to to the sort of hybrid remote working office space conundrum that businesses are facing right now. And certainly with all of our new offices, we're building them with a VR metaverse space. It's not populated yet, but it's it, that's that's that space. But I think for me, I think the metaverse will come back. And when more people are spending time in the metaverse, and 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 by more people, not the kind of 
innovators and the early adopters that will go there anyway but the, the the sort of early majority and the late majority you know if you think about the technology um, adoption curve once those people are there it's going to be really hard to ignore exactly like tiktok we're going to have to look at it and if our audience is there and chances are for an it company our audiences are going to be there then then we need to be a part of it Absolutely. And uh, just a quick note to our audience as well. Um, you know, if you want to hear more about things like the metaverse and AI, AI sorry, and all things marketing technology, um, you might be interested in checking out Martechopia, which is our B2B marketing conference on all things marketing tech. Uh, and it takes place on the 29th of March in London. Um, this is just a one day event. So it's your your only opportunity to, to join Martechopia for the rest of the year. Um, and this promises to help you optimize your people, your processes and your platforms to really sort of drive marketing performance. So um, you can find out more about the conference by following the link in the description. So John, I think we're coming up to uh, sort of the end of our time together today, but I'll just, uh, I'll leave you with one final question, a, a bit of a broad question that I think kind of encompasses everything we've been speaking about. How do you think marketers can really stand their brand apart from the rest uh, going into 2023? Um, what sort of things can they do to really jump out to their audience? It's it's a really good question. Hopefully my competitors aren't listening. Um, but um, but yeah, I, look, I think it comes back to everything we've talked about in, in the last in the last 30 minutes, David. It's it's, it's be where your audience are going to be. And, and you know, be be serious about that. You know, if it's if it's going to be Facebook, then recognize that that might be out of work hours. It's giving people content that actually resonates with them on a on a human level. And and realize again, you can't just blast into their lives having them never having heard of the brand and tell them that you need this piece of B2B, you know, whatever you're selling, service or product, and you need to have a meeting with me tomorrow. That's not how life works. So I think it's just being about being more human. Uh, with everything that you can do and then and then i think finally what really is going to set businesses apart is um where marketing you need to look at the entire customer experience we're so in b2b particularly and we talked about this earlier we're so focused on that top of funnel work and just you know bringing in the awareness bringing in the leads handing them off to sales and then upselling and, and retaining people but actually you've got to look as a, as a marketing leader you've got to look at every area of your organization because every area is a potential touch point for that prospect and that partner and so you've got to look at the customer experience you've got to go and look at how they're being treated by sales you've got to look at what the customer support is like um, and that's where i think true community and true um, loyalty and retention exist so it's be human, it's be where they want to be, it's don't be arrogant, you're never going to you know, marry someone on the first date, um, and, and be patient and serve them content that they want to hear when they want to hear it. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think that's a fantastic place to leave it. So Jonathan, thank you very much um, for joining me today, and for everyone listening, be sure to check out the uh, the links in the description, but also the Pax8 merch store um, to get your, your t-shirts and hoodies today. So, um, thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thanks so much, David. Cheers.